0: You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to this month's feature series, Focus on Medical Education. Wouldn't it be nice if medical school was a warm and fuzzy environment? You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I invite you to join me on this special segment on health education. With me today are two second year medical students from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, Satish Misra and Mark Bickett. Today we are discussing the college's program, an exciting new program at Hopkins. The vision of the program is to develop a learning community of students and faculty dedicated to enhancing personal and professional growth and career development collaborative learning, clinical skill building, longitudinal advising, and enhancing connections between students and all interested members of the School of Medicine. Greetings, and thanks for joining me today at the Clinician's Roundtable, Satish and Mark. Hi. Thank you for having us. Well, that's quite a program that you've scoped out for yourselves. How's it going?
1: It's going well. I think we've got a lot of students who have jumped on board and who have invested a lot of time. In developing different aspects of the program and the faculty have been fantastic in supporting us as a group and individually and developing a partnership and trying to further develop this program for future students. How many students are in this second-year class?
2: We have 120
1: second-year students.
2: Are all
0: the students in the program or just 30 of them?
2: Well actually with the colleges advisory program every student is a member of one of four colleges and we make sure to break up the students across the years so we have students from each year in one of the four colleges and that way we have some kind of longitudinal relationships that can
1: develop with student to student interactions.
0: When you entered Hopkins were you expecting this type of a program or were you expecting more traditional approach?
1: Frankly I think it turned out to be a lot more than I expected. In what way? So the first time I met my advisor was at our orientation, literally the first day I got to Baltimore. And he sat myself as well as the four others in my group down and we had lunch and just talked about Baltimore, about our families, about what we expected kind of for the coming year. It was a kind of a nice way to start medical school and that it was a very personal and very amiable relationship. And kind of an introduction to someone I knew would be helping me through the whole process, I mean, at that point, which was extremely intimidating.
2: And I would agree with Satish. I felt like medical school would you know, be an intellectually stimulating but very demanding experience. And whenever I got to Hopkins, I think I was a little surprised to find that you know, the environment here really values cooperation instead of competition, which I think was you know, one of the kind of myths that I'd come into medical school about. I had a very similar experience, you know, meeting my faculty advisor for the first time. And it turns out that, you know, they really level the playing field here between students and and faculty members in terms of bridging the distance to help us form relationships with them that start the first year and continue on through medical school.
0: When you say bridging the distance, I mean, you know, you're studying at night and you have an exam the next day and you're stuck on something. Can you just kind of call them up and say, hey, Dr. Shaka, you know, I'm having trouble with this concept. Uh, What do you think?
2: Yeah, basically. I mean, we have access to their emails, their cell phones, their pagers, their house lines. You know, depending on the situation, I think, you know, we can make the call. Really, what has happened, um, you know, we think of medical education as a very hierarchical kind of system. We have the doctor who's the very knowledgeable source of authority, and it's a very kind of top-down system. What the college's program has really done is come in and really made it a bottom-up system focused on the students and on the relationships that they have with faculty. And I think a lot of students... You know, including myself, would vouch for the opportunity that we've had to really interact with a bunch of our faculty members on that level.
0: Do you interact with them primarily in scientific terms, or also humanistic, philosophically? Do you get to talk about healthcare policy, politics in general? Perhaps, you know, approach to a dying patient. You know, do you get into some of the meatier things of medicine?
1: I think the relationship is what we want out of it, and the faculty are very good at kind of adapting to what the student needs out of that relationship. So, for example, this past summer, you mentioned the death in medicine. This summer when I saw my first patient who had passed away, the next time I saw my advisor, that's what we talked about for most of the time. Other times we've talked about summer research activities and kind of going through different labs and what their focuses are. And other times we've just talked about family and kind of stresses of normal life. It kind of goes across the whole spectrum of everything you could want to talk to somebody about.
0: So you've really had some specific benefits from the close contact with faculty advisors. I mean, this is quantitative benefits.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's been a huge benefit in kind of navigating through almost every stage of being here. And I agree
2: with Satish, you know, we've had the benefit of really being exposed to these faculty members to learn the clinical side of things very well and also get their perspective on research, but they've also opened up quite a bit of their lives to us just as human beings, and that's really, I think, what has helped, you know, form the connection and the community that we keep talking about.
0: How is that going to make you a better doctor?
1: I think the aim of this type of community is to carry on that kind of sense of community and openness when you become a physician in that you're working as a team with a number of other people. So developing those relationships on more personal levels rather than hierarchical levels. And also instilling the notion of mentorship. And, for example, when we graduate, uh, become residents, we'll be expected to train students, train junior residents, and so on. And I think in this kind of program where we're developing relationships with younger students and advising them and becoming mentors to them, we become more prepared for that kind of responsibility in the future.
2: Well, and I think Satish and I are also discovering that what the faculty are really helping us do is show us that they're investing themselves in us beyond the sense that, you know, we hear quite a bit of news about physicians who are either getting burnt out or not satisfied with their job. They want to go off and do something else. And what the system here is really helping us do is, make sure that we're secure in the decisions that we're making, you know, at this point in time in our careers, because we have quite a few decisions to make in terms of, you know, what specialty we'd like to go into, considering residencies, what we're going to spend our summer doing, whether it's going to be research or spending time with patients or just taking the time off.
0: Satish Mark, I'm just going to pause for a moment to welcome those who are just joining us on this special segment on health education on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today are two second-year medical students from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, Satish Mizra and Mark Bickett. Now, go ahead, Mark. Please finish.
2: Yeah, I was just speaking to the fact that, you know, quite often we hear physicians talk about getting burnt out or not really enjoying their careers anymore. And what we really get a sense of as medical students with the college advisory program is that we're an investment and that they're taking the time to be mentors to us to help us guide through critical decisions in our careers, to make sure that later on down the road, we'll be satisfied with our careers and the choices that we're making right now.
0: And what are you two guys doing for them?
2: We're also seeing that mentorship's a two-way street here. And you know, as much as we get from the relationship with our faculty advisors, they're quite excited to be able to spend some of their day with us to kind of see us at this critical point in our careers in terms of helping us make those decisions. They get satisfaction out of knowing that, you know, we're a very receptive audience with some of these questions and that they're a key piece that we can turn to as a resource that we can use here at Johns Hopkins.
1: I think one thing it also adds is, maybe not directly for the faculty now, but to the kind of profession in general, I think for a lot of us, the notion of being active in medical education and having this as a major part of our careers has been grown through this program by having this college's program because we see these faculty that have invested so much time in us, and I think it gives us the sense of responsibility so that when we get to that stage in our career, we feel the responsibility to invest that time in someone else.
0: You know, one of the questions that they, and you probably may have been asked these questions at some interview somewhere along the line, based on your experience in the college's program, where do you see yourself in five years or ten years?
1: Right now, it's hard to say what... Field I see myself in.
0: What kind of doctor do you see yourself as being?
1: Hopefully one that takes his patience for the people that they are and understands them on a personal level, um, isn't afraid of asking for advice, help or offering help to any of my colleagues and someone that people feel like they can approach with anything. I definitely see myself as part of a group, as a team somewhere and being part of a community like we have here.
2: And Mark? You know, you just hit the nail on the
1: head here. The emphasis
2: on cooperation has really hit home for a lot of us, and I think that's going to continue on in our careers. We know that, you know, whenever we become interns and residents, that life will probably be insanely busy, but we'll be able to turn to our teams, whether it's other nurses and physicians or other mentors that we have as well for support um, as we go through these demanding times.
0: Corporations have CEOs, and certainly they have teams below them, are you getting a sense of leadership in your training? Someone has to be the director, even though it can be a collaborative effort.
1: There's a very strong sense of leadership in this program, I mean, whether it's in this program or whether it's on a clerkship, that there is someone who's kind of leading the way. But I think what this program is emphasizing and what I think that the faculty here are doing by example is showing that leadership isn't just a single person directing all efforts, but it's, a single person in a role that facilitates an open dialogue and community and team.
2: And we've seen that through several of, you know, projects with them where it really hasn't been a single point person effort that it's really up to us to kind of take the initiative in different areas. And whenever I say that, I mean that, you know, students across the board, whether they're in a defined leadership position or not, definitely have a chance to step up to the plate, take on a leadership role and make a difference.
0: Let me ask one question because we're near the end of our time. What don't you like about the program? What needs to be changed?
2: I think we're now just kind of getting into a a stage where we're somewhat settling down. We've kind of come up with some different elements of the program from the the student to student relationships, um, some relationships with the faculty, and we still have some edges to work out in terms of kind of what events and what's going to be the main course, if you will, for the college's advisory program from the student perspective. I think settling down on that is going to take some time to kind of... Solidifying the
1: identity of the colleges is really kind of where we're spending our time now.
0: And Satish, anything that you'd change immediately?
1: I can't think of anything that I would change immediately, any kind of glaring problems that I see in the program. And I think that stems from the fact that it's being run by very well-intentioned folks who really have the best interest of the students and the entire program at heart. I think there are things that will kind of be worked out over time, like obstacles and difficulties that we see as they arise.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you both for spending the time with me. I've been speaking with Satish Misra and Mark Beckett, who've been my guest, and we've been discussing the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine College's program, a new approach to medical student education. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at reachmd.com and take advantage of our on-demand and podcast features which gives you access to our entire program library. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health. Tune in each hour for the Reach MD feature series focus on medical education. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Here is a sample of the great shows airing this week.
1: I'm Dr. Larry Kaskel. Please join me on the next Clinician's Roundtable. My guest will be Dr. Barry Davis. Director of Clinical Research Design at the Texas Heart Institute, and we'll be talking about the results of the All Hat trial.
0: I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. Join me this week with Dr. Stephen Cola Jury from the University of Sydney in Australia, and we'll be discussing diabetes and the new guidelines for managing postprandial blood glucose.
1: And this is Dr. Bruce Bloom. Join me and my guest, Dr. Jonathan Stamler, George Barth Geller, Professor of Research in Cardiovascular Disease at Duke University Medical Center as we talk about transfusing stored blood. Thank you for listening to ReachMD XM 157,
0: where we change topics every 15 minutes. For our complete weekly guest and program guide, visit us at ReachMD.com.